This is Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Soon afterward, he, Jesus, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And, when the, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell on the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Isaiah chapter 55 Verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that that goes out from my mouth and shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Psalm 81, verses 8 and 11 through 13. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. 
So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. 1 John chapter 2, 3-6 By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, and the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So our text today was the first one, Luke 8, 1 through 21. And that text can function sort of like a hearing test. But it doesn't disclose our ability to hear physically. It's more like a spiritual hearing test. It helps us to, to discern if we're spiritually deaf or spiritually hearing. And the text is filled with ways to evaluate our lives and discern if we're hearing God's word rightly or if we're hearing God's word in an ineffective way. So it begs the question then, how sensitive, how healthy is your spiritual hearing? I imagine that the folks that Jesus spoke this parable of the sower to were fairly confident in their ability to hear the Lord. After all, the people of Israel had been entrusted with the very words of God in Scripture, right? In contrast to all the other pagan nations on the face of the earth, to them belonged the law and the prophets. God had spoken to them. And one of the centerpieces of their times of worship was a a declaration called the Shema. It talks about knowing God rightly. It's found in Deuteronomy 6.4. Listen to the first word in particular. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear. They probably thought of themselves as people who had heard and received God's word. They probably prided themselves on hearing God's voice. We can feel that way too, can't we? Maybe we've grown up going to church. Maybe we have a well-worn Bible. Maybe we've attended Bible studies in small groups. Uh, How do you know, though? How do you know if you're really hearing the voice of God? Well, Jesus is going to graciously warn us and instruct us in this passage that hearing God rightly, as we all know intellectually, hearing God rightly means much more than having the, the words, the sound waves of somebody speaking God's word hit our eardrums and having messages transmitted to our brains. Hearing God rightly necessitates responding to God rightly. Good spiritual hearing results in a beautifully transformed and fruitful life. I just... I want to pray one more time. Then we'll look at this again. Oh God, how we long to hear you rightly. How we need your help in this moment to hear you rightly and respond. 
Spirit, come and give us ears to hear. Come and give us hearts that respond to you with a fruitful and beautiful life. Don't let us leave without hearing you this morning. And let us rejoice when we do see your word bearing fruit in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The centerpiece of this passage is a parable that's often called the parable of the sower. I'd like to read that for you. And then Christ himself provides a commentary on this passage. And so I'll read that as well. This is verse 4 through verse 15 of Luke chapter 8. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Now, just as an aside, that's impossible. That is supernatural, a hundredfold yield. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil... They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So let's just orient ourselves to the basic framework of this parable. Jesus made it easy for us. In verse 11, he explains the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And just remember that for a moment. Focus on that for a second. God is not silent. We serve a God who speaks. The one who made us wants to communicate to us. He wants to make himself known. He wants to disclose who he is and what he's doing to us. Formerly, he put his message in the mouth of prophets, as we read in Hebrews chapter 1. That was good. That was wonderful. But in Christ, he came and spoke to us himself. Therefore, Jesus is the ultimate sower. He's the ultimate sower who, in verse 1 of this chapter, it portrays Jesus in this way. He went proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is the sower, ultimately. Jesus is broadcasting the seed. And what's the soil? 
Well, Jesus explains that to us in verses 12 and 15. In verse 12, the devil comes and takes away the word, takes away the seed from, from where? From their hearts. And in verse 15, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good, what? A heart. So Jesus is the sower. He's proclaiming the word of God, and the soil is the individual human hearts that are hearing the proclamation of Christ. Now, just by way of review, let's remind ourselves what our hearts are. Our hearts are our innermost being. It's what makes us tick, our essential desires, our our wills, our our affections. And our hearts are going to express themselves inevitably through our words, our choices, our emotions, our thoughts, and our actions. What you do reflects what is in your heart, right? What's in your heart comes out in how you live. So our inmost being is the soil. Our inmost being, our heart, is what either responds to God's word rightly or is spiritually deaf and spiritually unfruitful. Our hearing is shown by our doing. So let's see how that's portrayed in the text through the four types of soil. First, some of the seed falls upon a hard path, a hard, trampled path. And this is portraying the word of God landing on a hard heart. The word of God comes, but it doesn't even scratch the surface. The word of God is spoken clearly, but it makes no impact. Just think about how significant that is. Think about how horrifying that is. Human hearts can be confronted with the life-giving, Christ-exalting, spirit-empowered, holy word of God And their hearts can be so hard that that word does not even penetrate. There's no effect whatsoever. Now, I want to be clear. The problem is not with the word of God, the word of God that is upholding the universe by the word of Christ's power. No. The problem is the human heart, dead in transgressions and sin. Just a lump of stone where a beating, living heart should be. A heart that should be responsive to God's word. That's appalling. It's wicked. To hear the word of God and not respond. As if that were not enough, Jesus teaches that this type of heart is actually under the power of the devil. Just read verse 12 again. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away, takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. It's like a a dark scene from a Hitchcock horror movie where a flock of, of demonic, nasty birds are gobbling up seed from an ugly, dirty path. It's heartbreaking. It's tragic. We see in this depiction how terrible sin is that makes the human heart completely unresponsive to the beautiful and holy voice of the one who made us. Let's lament that shameful horror this morning, the shame of spiritual deafness. I've pleaded with God this week that this would describe none of our hearts, that none of us would be found with a stony heart before the word of God. Now, there are other warnings in this passage, right? Jesus outlines two other unfruitful soils. 
He describes seed that falls on the rocky soil in verse 13. Jesus says, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. That sounds great. That's a good start. If I shared my, with my neighbor the gospel and they responded with joy, that would be like the news of, of the week or the news of the year. Um, but as you know, verse 13 continues. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away. The joy doesn't last. Very similarly in the thorny soil, things start out well, but it doesn't proceed to anything productive. We read again in verse 14, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Unfortunately, a good start doesn't ensure a good ending. In both of these cases, there seems to be a good response to the word initially, but then we see it dying out or choked out under pressure, whether it be from temptations within or hardship bearing down from without, the word doesn't grow in the rocky soil. And in the thorny soil, the word is not the only thing growing. The cares and the riches and the pleasures of life choke out the word. Now that's not portraying persecution. That's portraying seduction. That's idolatry and worldliness. That's why John writes, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is why Jesus warns, no one can serve two masters. There's only room for one kind of growth in our hearts. There's only room for one kind of growth in our hearts. So let's hear the voice of the sower this morning calling us away from worldliness, calling us away from loving the things of the world, away from the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life that would choke out the word. Let's hear the voice of the sower calling us to live for him alone. But we can see from this text that we can't just try harder. We can't just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and change the soil in our hearts by mere willpower alone, this is a much bigger problem than that. We need supernatural help. We need divine intervention. We need to come to God and acknowledge the wicked unresponsiveness of our hearts. We need to admit rightly that we we cannot, we have not heard him rightly. We cannot respond to him rightly apart from his divine intervention in our hearts. We need him to work in us. We need him to give us a new heart. We need to give him to give us new soil in our hearts. We need to come to Jesus and lay hold of the forgiveness that he has purchased for us. We need to come to the Lord and ask him for spiritual hearing. Ask him for a life that responds to the word because of the resurrection power of our Savior. We need to surrender our hearts. We need to surrender our lives to God as a place for him to grow whatever he wants to cultivate in us. Something living, something new, a heart and life that responds rightly to God in a way that lasts, 
a way that endures, a way that brings fruit. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Jesus pictures it this way as good soil in verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Good soil, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lets the word impact it deeply. Good soil, in faith, holds on to the word tightly. Good soil is found in an honest and good heart, a heart that's been transformed by Jesus Christ to be humble and receptive, thankful and responsive to God's word. The New Testament writer James puts it a similar way in chapter 1, verse 21, where he says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Don't you want that? Don't you want the soul-saving word of God to be planted deep in your heart? Don't you want God to bring good soil into your heart, to bring out good fruit in your life? Don't you want God to function as a master gardener, to grow beautiful things out of you? Think about it. God created trees. He created flowers. He created springtime. He invented vegetables and fruit. He is good at growing good things. Don't you want him to come and cultivate your heart? To free it from rocks, to to pull up the weeds, and to cause fruit that pleases him to grow out of your life? Don't you want your faith to triumph over hardship? Don't you want your faith to, to push away temptations? to triumph over the seductions of worldliness. This glorious process all starts with hearing the sower in faith. That's a supernatural work that requires the Spirit of God. Hearing the sower in faith. And by the Spirit, welcoming the word into a regenerated heart, that's a gift of God, a regenerated heart, and it finds fulfillment in bearing spiritual fruit for our beloved master gardener. God wants to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts and lives, right? Love for the people of God. Patience with even those who persecute us. Forgiveness with those who wrong us. Self-control in regards to fleshly indulgence. Remember, planting is for the purpose of harvesting, right? Gardening is a failure without a crop. That's the point of this parable. There's no success in farming without a harvest. You don't just bury seeds in the ground to get them out of your sight. You want to see growth and you want to reap a harvest. That's what God desires in the lives and hearts of his people. This is why Jesus concludes this passage by equating hearing the word of God 
with doing the word of God. That's another way to talk about the harvest. In Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, uh, just a few chapters later, Jesus will say something very similar where he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. How do you know if you're hearing the word of God rightly? You keep it. You keep it. Your life will show what you hear clearly. And it's just like Luke is using in the beginning of this text the example of some women who were following Jesus to be examples of those who had heard Jesus in faith and were keeping his word. It pictures a, a kind of a company of disciples says of Jesus, and the twelve were with him, in verse 2, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. These women had heard the words of Jesus. They'd been healed by the power of Jesus, And they responded in faith with their lives. Hearing Jesus rightly changed their finances. Hearing the word of God changed their travel plans. It adjusted their social circles. I mean, think about Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. I doubt that following Jesus was popular in that crowd. She probably experienced ridicule or persecution from those folks she had formerly associated with. Luke is holding these women up before us like the weeping woman of chapter 7 who anointed Jesus' feet with her tears as an example of what responding to Jesus looked like for them. And then this passage concludes with these beautiful words that is probably directed towards them at the end in verse 21 where Uh, Folks are saying, you know, come see your mothers and brothers and remember your commitment to them, Jesus. Well, Jesus says this. He says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus loves those who hear his word and do it. He is committed to those who hear his word and do it like family. It's also rather simple, I think, to to know how Jesus is calling us to respond. Um, The clear response to this passage uh, seems to be found in the words of Christ himself in verse 18. Jesus says, take care then how you hear. Take care then how you hear. I think that's the way to respond to this familiar parable. According to this passage, how is your spiritual hearing this morning? What is the result of your spiritual hearing test? Your life will show it as surely as can be. In verse 17, Jesus says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. What's inside of us, the inward, true spiritual realities, will come out of us in true life realities. That's not a call to uh, find our righteousness in our obedience, no. 
It's a call to embrace the help that Jesus offers us, the help that the Spirit offers us, and live in the good of responding to his supernatural power. So what does your life show? Do you see the word producing fruit in your life? Firstly, do you, do you love to hear the sower's voice? The voice that, that speaks forgiveness and speaks of life and righteousness. Are you regularly drawn to the word of God? Do you love to read it? Do you love to hear it? Do you submit yourself to it? Do you love to talk about the Bible with others? That's another big picture. Do do you care what God wants to grow in you? Do you ask God how he wants to shape your life? Do you see God working things in you that that weren't there maybe a year or two ago? Is Is there a supernatural power in you? To want to love God, love his people, and obey him out of love. Do you see some level of ability in your heart to forsake worldliness, to say no to temptations towards anxiety, for example, or or greed, for example, or lust or anger? Do you see some, some power in your heart to say, no, that's not who God calls me to be. God calls me to peace and patience and kindness and joy and love and hope and goodness. Just think of, think of Jesus' kind of response to the women in this passage. Do you, do you love God's people like family? Do you make sacrifices to serve God's people, to, to bless them, to strengthen them, to do spiritual good? To one another? Are you growing in the fruit of the Spirit? Patience, kindness, and gentleness. Think of your interactions with children, your co workers, your neighbors. As Shakespeare wrote, truth will out. As I said before, as Jesus teaches here, inward realities soon become outward realities. Again, Verse 17, nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Remember, remember, Jesus loves to speak to his people. Jesus has good things he wants to cultivate in our hearts. Jesus wants to enjoy a beautiful, fruitful response that comes from hearing his word and living in accordance to it. We want to be people like that, don't we? We want to be brothers and sisters who together listen to the word of God, respond in the power of the Holy Spirit with humility and joy, living lives that are full of growth and full of fruit that God wants to produce in us by the power of his word, by the power of his spirit, and the power of his resurrection. The sower has spoken, does your life show that you are listening? It's the question I want to leave us with today.